spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. From the depths of evil, from the mists of legendary, comes another episode of Max Mike Movies. We're in our seventh series, this one entitled, I've Been Meaning to Watch That. This time around, the luscious, libidinous, libelous Max Levine and the lesser, lowly, lingering Mike Luce will watch movies that they should have got round to, but for some reason haven't. Some will be classics, some less so. Indeed. There will be surprises, prizes, and stock footage galore. This week, we aim high in the eye, right straight for that memorable Disney extravaganza, the Black Cauldron. But first, some business. Do us a favor and tell everyone you know about us. You can even tell us. But how, you might ask? Well, we're on all that social media, Facebook and Twitter. You can see us as Max Mike Movies. Our website? Glad you asked. It, too, is MaxMikeMoviesThough.com. Finally, you can contact us directly with email. You can do so at us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice, either Apple's or Google's. And now to the movie. The show. To the movie. Sorry, Sorry, I thought you were making a toast. Uh, Toast. I love toast. Mm. Powdered toast, man. (laughs) Flex my buttocks and oh. So yeah, this week we're talking about the Black Cauldron. Cauldron. Black Calden. How many times can I say Calden in this episode? Calden. Holden Caulfield. Calden Caulfield. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. <laughs> New York, New York, New, New York. York. Perfect. Unique New York, unique New York. Oh, is that yeah. how it goes? Yeah, yeah. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. That's disgusting. We can't do that on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, Black Cauldron. So this was uh, the only modern Disney film I had not seen. Max, wow. had, you, had you seen it? That that floors me, because yes, I've actually seen this before. I watched it again for this, but yeah, that amazed me that you'd never seen it, because you are like animation dude. Well, I don't know about the animation dude, but I, I am a fan of animation, and I have seen most Disney films, certainly in the mm-hmm. theaters. Um, and I'm trying to think. I think I saw... No, you know, I take it back. That's not true. I've never seen uh-huh. Oliver and Company. Oh, there's a reason for that we can put that in our series called i haven't been meaning to watch that (laughs) well but before we get to the amazing plot of this film there is some Mm. trivia oh trivialities yeah um uh, one of the ones is uh freddie jones is a voice in this he plays dalbin we last heard of him in the movie crawl which we covered back in our D&D series and dune he was in dune yes we're we're moving on from dune uh, John Biner, twice, is in this film. John Biner, so he's a bit of trivia on his own. He was actually a very popular Hollywood funny man of the, probably the 70s. and then 70s he, and 80s, yeah. And then he kind of disappeared. I don't know what happened to him, but he had a yeah. very, very, very short-lived TV show called McNamara's Band. Uh, oh, yes, that's right. The world, the sort of parody World War II action thing. Well, I think there was a made-for-TV movie that was World War II, and then the series was something else, like oh, like okay. maybe more current. I don't remember. Um, I, I remember watching it. But he showed up in every sitcom. He was on every variety show. And he was funny. Um, he was in one of my favorite films, What's Up, Doc, for about 10 seconds. Um, I, he I'm, is? Yeah, he's one of Where the three was... guys at the table. You know, it's vocal reverberation. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, VRUSB. I think I read a monogram on that. That's his mm. line. Um, oh, okay. I, again, I don't know what happened to him. I haven't looked him up, but he went away. Uh, one of my other favorite uh, little voices in here is, in fact, Witchy Poo! Yes! <laughs> it's Billy Hayes as not Witchy Poo, but Witchy Poo. Another witch, yes. Uh, which is from HR Puff and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hurt, and I bet it did. Uh, I sure it did. He plays the Horned King. Oh, poor John. Yeah, but hey, you know what? He was making lots of money and becoming knighted and all that, so hey, there we go. Hey, tell him who the opening narrator is. John Huston. Uh, yeah. He was more probably most famously known for a TV series and movie called The Paper Chase, where he played a... Um... No, 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 that's John Houseman. Oh, that's John Houseman. Who's John Houston? Well, for one thing, he directed the last movie we watched, Key Largo. Oh, wait. And, John Huston, the, he's not in that horrible Rift Tracks movie. Is that John Huston? Which what? No, 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 no. That's John Saxon. No, no. I think but, it is. Oh, which, what's the movie? It's uh, Devil. It's the Bermuda Triangle. 
I think that is. Oh him. yes, he is in that. Yes, that <laughs> that is true. But he's probably his voice is probably best known as he does Gandalf in the Hobbit, uh, the Rankin Bass Hobbit. Oh, and in unfortunately the the Rankin Bass Tolkien show we never speak of the Return of the King, which didn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I left John Huston out of the trivia because I thought he was dull. Um, uh, all right, well, so it's like one line. <laughs> This movie was made in 1985, and it had three Disney firsts. It was the first of their movies to use computer animation, and the first Disney movie to get a PG rating. Mm. To be fair, the graphics for The Great Mouse Detective had been done first, but the makers of this film said, Hey, we want that too! And they kind of shoehorned some of it in, because this got released before... Wait, which... I was going to say, which came out first? Well, the movie that was being worked on... Well, which I think that was completed first was Great Mouse Detective, but uh-huh. because of all the delays, they had to keep pushing it back, which I'll get to. And mm-hmm. so technically, um, this film, Black Cauldron, came out first, but the graphics okay. for Great Detect- Mouse Detective came out, were done first. Hmm. Um, and it's also the first Disney animated movie with no songs of any kind. There's yeah. none in the credits, there's nobody singing, there's nothing, no, huh. no songs. Um, other Disney movies, while they not, may not be musicals, have a song somewhere in it. Yeah. Um, its budget was $44 million. Good Lord. For at, 1985? At the time, it was the uh, most expensive animated film ever. Um, and uh, how did it do? It took in about half that in the domestic Ooh. market. Um, the movie actually was not released on home video until 1998. Uh, that, oh, dear. That year, besides its, its potential flaws, which we'll talk about, uh-huh. There were a couple of other big summer movies. Now, Max and I, you and I didn't see this or at the time, possibly because we were in Europe. Mm. But it was up against European Vacation and Back to the Future. Oh, ooh, ouch. I want to say also, I think Teen Wolf came out that year too, but don't quote me on that. I, oh, I, did, I thought that um, was earlier. But I, I Interestingly, know. they also, for whatever reason, re-released E.T. that summer. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, apparently, also that year, they re-released 101 Dalmatians, and 101 Dalmatians made more than this did. <laughs> Out. so yeah they did not have a lot of faith in this sucker uh, I, I read some a description that it was called the movie that almost killed the Disney animation studio yeah and we're, we're, this is going to come later in trivia but the, okay. a lot of people think that this is the last movie before the renaissance which it is not but anyway mm. uh, it was originally slated for a 1980 release but due to technical problems the fox and the hound took its place and was pushed back to Christmas of 84 uh, it oh. still did not come out until July of 1985. Um, Tim Burton had done some original character designs which were rejected. This is the time period where he was still working in the animation department at Disney. Um, he must have been like 12 years old. Well, he would then go on to do um, Frank and Weenie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And I think uh, soon after that he left Disney. Um, there was a lot of trouble over the editing of this film. Uh, during one test screening, and I will come to this later on in my notes, the Cauldron Born, which are the um, undead guys in this yeah. film, the sequence caused children to literally flee in terror. I, uh, w- I th- wondered about that when I saw it, and I saw it as an adult, and my first thought was, this is for children? Yeah, and uh, quite honestly, that happens later in the film. That's in the, like, the last 10, yeah. 15 minutes. I, we'll get to this, but there's other parts that I think probably caused them to flee in terror earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. Not just John Biner. Hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, at the, who was at Disney at the time, insisted the film be edited. The producer refused. Katzenberg took the film Whoa. himself to the editing booth and Ooh. was chopping away until Michael Eisner came in and told him to stop. He was CEO at the time. Mm. Um, the film was still cut, and its release date was then pushed again back to 1985. They uh, they edited out 12 minutes of, of film, which you don't yeah. do in an animated film. Generally, there yeah. are no outtakes because they've done that before they actually bothered to spend the money to animate it. Mm. So, yeah. This was the film that got Don Bluth to leave Disney and strike out on his own, taking a bunch of other animators with him. He'd oversee the Land Before Time series, Secret of Nim, and other films under Don Bluth Studios. Um, Yeah, there was a big animator strike um, in 1982 during the making of this film. Also, they changed CEOs from Ron Ron Miller to Michael Eisner in 1984. Everybody loved Michael Eisner. Well, to be fair... 
you know, as far the 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 stockholders probably adored him. Oh yeah, he made a ton of money because he's the one who he, one of the two people him and Katzenberg are credited with doing the whole Disney Renaissance, starting with Little Mermaid. Mm. Um, which strangely enough, they chopped the budgets on. Like all of those Disney musicals had a maybe half or a quarter of the budget of this. <laughs> well, weren't this wasn't it because of like how poorly this and the Great Mouse Detective and a bunch of others performed? Yes. Mm. Um, the rights to this, which is based on a, a, a book series by Lloyd Alexander, was originally purchased in 1970. They repurchased the rights in 2016, Ooh, which has caused some people to raise. Yeah, which has caused. Well, I'm sure the rights ran out, but I'm sure it's caused a lot of people to raise their eyebrows, going, you know, hey, there's five books in this series. I wonder if they might go back and actually do it properly. Um, the movie started pre-production in 1971. At that point, it was mostly just a bunch of ideas being kicked around and character sketches and some of the few remaining nine old men really wanting to do this movie justice. But it didn't really get started until 1980 when they all had left or unfortunately had died. Um, as I said, this was not the last animated movie before we started getting Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and so on and no. so forth. Disney's so-called rena renaissance or yeah. re-renaissance or whatever. What were um, the others? What came between uh, this one and them? So uh, we Besides had gr the great, great mouse detective. I great, assume. great mouse detective. Yeah. You can decide whether you count Roger Rabbit or not because it's a touchstone release, oh. but it was produced by both Disney hmm. and Amblin with Steven huh. Spielberg and Oliver and Company. Oh dear. We wouldn't get Little Mermaid till 1988. Okay. Oh, also, wow. also, strangely, at this time, it used to be that Disney would make one movie at a time. They would spend mm. three to four years doing it, and that's it. There was one movie in production, which they obviously don't do now. Oh, um, yeah. So it meant that when they did make a movie, there was a lot of time when they weren't making any money, except which is why they would re-release things and stuff like that. Mm. Um, the so-called Renaissance started with Little Mermaid in 88 and arguably ended with Pocahontas in 1995. Oh, boy. Because, uh, yeah, that's when, yeah. Strangely, yeah. Rescuers Down Under was right in the middle of the musical films, and it had no musical numbers either. There was yeah. a, a song in it, but there was no musical numbers. I actually liked Rescuers Down Under. It was not a stunning film, but it was a nice, solid film. Um, mm. It looked good, and I, I remember going to it. And actually, if I remember correctly, it had a Disney short, a Mickey Mouse short, that I actually liked. Um, I mm. think it was Prince and the Popper, which was actually a pretty entertaining Mickey Mouse film before it. So, mm. I never saw it. That's what I have for trivia. Did you happen to know any more, oh, trivia uh, meister? Uh, just one or two things I was curious about. Uh the the book series and this movie it's based somewhat on welsh folklore yeah all somewhat. of the names are welsh right uh which is why some of them are so damn hard to pronounce fluter flam yeah fluter flam and uh the black cauldron itself is kind of based there are a lot of magic cauldrons in welsh mythology and there's one that's sort of close it's called the and i i'm sorry i know i'm going to mispronounce this the pair dadenyi just spit some more. That's how. You yeah. Do. No, I have to. I have to throw in eleven more consonants. Really, <laughs> most of them G's. <laughs> hey, look, Sorry. I've been there. All right, I've been to Wales. Their their street signs are six, seven feet long. Yeah, it's true. It's I, I, I too have been to Wales, but yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, well. So yeah, there. Was, so that was, was the pair de Dieny, which is a magic cauldron that is supposed to raise the dead. Now it is supposed to raise the dead, bring them back in nice forms, not as child scarring horrifying zombie <laughs> skeleton thingies yeah once again proving to me proving my point that walt disney hates children well to be fair walt disney himself was long dead at this point however they unfreeze him to make these movies they have his his frozen disembodied head that comes in tells them one terrifying thing to do to scar the children and then they freeze him again oh just one not I, in I read this on the internet don't dispute me <laughs> any other um truthful <laughs> no. trivia that you might have nope nope that's it okay so the plot yeah young taran assistant pig keeper to a magical animal henwen is thrust into all sorts of daring do when the pig shows a vision of the rise of the horned king her powers would allow him to find the dreaded black cauldron of the story's name and cause all sorts of badness. Taran is sent with the pig to supposed safety, only to lose Henwen to forces of the Horned King. Trying to be the brave knight he wishes to be, he goes off in search of her and a way to stop the machinations of said king. 
on the way, he comes across all sorts of semi-memorable and easy, easily merchandisable characters. <laughs> In the end, it's an act of self-sacrifice that no one saw coming. That stops the Horn King from carrying out his uh, his evil plan. Uh, yeah. The, the end. The lowdown. Now that that sums it up pretty well, especially the whole. What the hell is the Horned King's plan? Who is the Horned King? We um, What's his deal? So the Horned King wants to destroy everything. That's literally Why? his plan at the end. He raises the dead and says, now go and destroy everything. Yeah, well, why? Well, there's two reasons, and you uh, know them very well. Stuff and reasons. That's uh, why. <laughs> yeah, that was, I had a problem with the Horned King as a villain. He's so uninteresting. He's undeveloped. He looks- he looks really cool. Oh, he's one he, of my notes of, okay, the kids are peeing their pants now. Yeah, he's he a cool. skull. He looks, <laughs> he's terrifying. And he's not a funny skull. No. He's, he's like, he's really scary looking. Yeah. And he's got John Hurt's voice, which is not the most soothing. Now, to be fair, he doesn't scream or yell at any point. He no, just spends he's... most of the film strangling one of his underlings. Uh, and I wish I was like, like that was a euphemism, but it's not. Uh, nope, of course, nope, if it was, that's kind of... His character, Creeper, he just keeps picking him up by the neck and strangling him. Yeah, did uh, Creeper seem at all visually um, uh, familiar to you? Uh, he did. Actually, a bunch of elements of this really reminded me of Wizards. Oh, well, okay, so here's a piece of trivia I didn't throw in. Apparently, they actually did approach Ralph Bakshi. Because Wizards had some success, oh. and I do think also visually this bears a striking resemblance oh. in places to Wizards. I uh, think the Horned King looks a lot like Black Wolf. Yeah. The Creeper looked like Larry, and even the Fair Folk, those weird little fairies, mm. they look like the Knights of Stardust. But I also thought, and this is something I saw in trivia, uh, the Creeper looked a lot like the Green Goblin. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, so, folks, if you have children and you've got this far into our podcast before mm. showing them the movie, oh, good. Um, yeah. Don't show your small children this yeah, film. Yeah, seriously. It's this is this, scary. It, it is. is. It's, it's visually quite terrifying. And there's, you know, this is not threat. I'm going to, most of the time, Disney villains threaten to lock you in a box or right. hide you in the cellar or sell you to somebody. No, this villain is saying, I am going to kill you. You yes. are all going to die. And I'm going to bring you back so you can destroy everything. Yeah. You're going to come back as really scary-looking skeletal monsters. Yeah. And these are not, like, cartoony. No. They are really (laughs) creepy-looking. So, uh, sort of going back to the opening. So, we have this this opening, um, you know, thread being read by John Huston. Um, And how did they... (laughs) How did they make the Black Cauldron? This is how you know. If you were a parent with your child and you got through the opening and said, my kid's going to love this, you are a horrible parent. Because how did they make the Black Cauldron? There was a really evil king that was so evil. Max. He was so evil. How evil was he? Thank you. uh, That the gods couldn't destroy him. So instead... They poured molten iron onto him and cast him into the shape of the black cauldron. For I'm, children! I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically forge him into a big pot. Yeah, and his, his face is still on the side. Thankfully, it's much more of an abstracted face, but yeah. it's still like, hey, I'm an evil pot now. Um, <laughs> at least they don't show it, right? They don't go, yeah. ah, ah, molten iron, I'm dying. You know, they don't actually yeah, yeah. have that part, but still, Christ. Yeah. I mean, and they reached this, well, we have to rewrite Hans Christian Andersen. We have to rewrite, you know, some of these things because they're just too violent. Oh, okay, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they go right from this, you know, darkness, evil, darkness, evil. Because it's literally like all all darkness and evil and suddenly we're in tra-la-la woods. We're in the Shire, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And all I could think with the music was, huzzah, bye my leather mug. Buy me little pants, Yeah. Take this, you community theater reject. <laughs> Bite me, Frodo. Yeah. Of course, I'm That's sitting for putting down the Renfest, which I spend far too much time at. But there you go. Yeah. It, the opening is kind of confusing. We, you know, we meet you know, our hero, Taryn, who is the assistant pig keeper to Dalbin, who is... An a old wizard? 
Uh, an old guy? Uh, I don't know. Is he a senior pig keeper? He's. We don't know. I, we also don't know why Taryn is with him. I mean, I assume he's been apprenticed. That makes some sense, but they never say. Are they related? And, yeah, are they related? Is is Tar- is what is Dalvin doing with Henwin and Henwin? Who is now? I got to admit, this was this is a really original piece, mm-hmm. a precognitive pig. Well, and the best part is that she doesn't even have any awareness of being precognitive because no. whenever she goes into her little trances, she she well, she's in a trance, and she's a pig. She does she's not hyper intelligent. She can't talk, but in she like dips her snout in water, goes into a trance, and it, the water becomes like a reflect a magic mirror that shows the future. Right, if you ask her the question, or ask mm-hmm. the... I don't, I don't know if you're asking her, or asking yeah. the bull, Yeah, how did or... this happen? We don't know anything about... Is this just a thing? Are all pigs in this land precognitive? Is, like, this is the chosen pig? Well... This is the Kung Fu pigda? I don't... To be fair, we never actually go to any, um, any kind of town... No. <laughs> so, no, we never see, except for the thugs, we never see more than like three people together. No, and yeah, we're going to get to those too, dear gods. Um, yeah. So besides this horrifying opening to this film, <laughs> where again, we've taken this evil, evil king who's so evil we can't even show his image. He's that evil. And the gods are like, I can't do anything about this. However, we can molten iron over it and make him into a pot that'll learn him oh yeah uh you know this is actually kind of reminding me of that curse in the mummy where it's like well you're so evil that we're gonna make you somebody else's problem in the future yeah Uh, that's kind of what they do so the movie starts off otherwise rather slowly very slowly and um doesn't really pick up all that much it does a little a little, but yeah, the pacing in this movie is a bit slow. Again, I'm kind of surprised for a kid's movie. Yeah. Interestingly, I read that Disney, and you, you and I should, should, should love this, Disney mm-hmm. was noting the fact that things like D&D were really popular, because this is right around when the first run of D&D was at its height for sales. So the yeah, mid-80s. Right. AD&D was out by that point. Yep, and they they were selling millions, millions. Yeah. A lot. It was a big thing. And Obviously, you can sort of see. I mean, you do get an effect an adventuring party yes, sort you, of. You do cuz Taryn is the warrior. Uh, eventually Princess Elanwi is the I guess she's a mage cuz she has that little she has like a familiar, but that's it. She doesn't know any magic. She has then, she has bite then, from Tron. Yeah, and then she <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Then and then we have the two comic relief characters who, uh, up well, until the very end, don't do anything. Well, and then we've got the the bard who, That's quite what honestly, I mean. he's the second camp comic relief character. He, he um, he uh, he has yeah. a harp that breaks a string every time he tells a lie. Uh huh. And he is there to um, let's see, because yes. he well, well, he helps by uh-huh. um, what does he do again? He's old. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly uh, his purpose. Now he, he has one moment at the end when he's negotiating with the three witches. Right. That's it. That's, that's it. He has one it. moment. It's about 15 seconds of screen time. Yeah. Most um, of the time he's just there. Yeah. I'm um, cycling back to the beginning. Uh, yeah. So what happens is we, uh, Dalbin knows that Henwen is, is a precognitive pig. She's special. Um, somehow Taryn doesn't know. He hasn't told Taryn for reasons and stuff. Um, but then he's like, oh, you know, the Black Cauldron, we better look and find out what's going on with the Black Cauldron, shall we? And so they do, and it's like, oh dear, the Horn King is coming, we better go and hide it from him, so take the pig to safety. And my question was, um, why aren't you going? Yeah, it's like, here, <laughs> I'm going to hand you, hand this unbelievably powerful magical source, the thing that the, the one thing that can get the Horn King his invincible army... Of, of undead, because that, by the way, is what the Black... We haven't mentioned that. That's what the Black Cauldron does. It allows <laughs> you to summon forth an army of the undead. In a Disney movie! That'll show that evil king. You yeah. are so evil that we're going to make you into a magic item that summons dead things to do their... You no, know, that's thing. actually quite a nasty punishment in some ways. Yeah, we're going to turn you into a into a magic item in a D&D campaign, and you're just going to be batted around between various people, desperately trying to find you, use you, destroy you, and then bury you again. Yeah, I guess. I, and to be <laughs> fair, I don't know if this has anything to do with the plot of the original books. I didn't read them. Did you? No. I never did. Okay, but it's uh, it's but, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of of sense. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. No, the, the, a lot of the plot it just 
yeah, it just sort of stuff happens. Yeah, and so Dalbin, if you think about it at all, it all falls apart. Yeah, so so the the old guy Dalbin, who's mm-hmm. ostensibly some sort of wizard, I guess hey, I sing. don't know. He knows how the pig works. That's about <laughs> it. Um, yes. He says, "No, no, young Taran, you take the pig off and go to the place of safety through the evil woods yeah, <laughs> by swear. yourself." Yeah. A, a pig herder, and I still love hearing your rations, a small piece of bread and an apple. I off love how he, he cuts off part of the bread. You only need a quarter of this loaf. <laughs> um, so either this safety cottage, whatever it is, isn't very far, in which case, why don't you go? Yeah. And also, it's not very safe. If they can't find the pig here or there, why there is, never mind. Yeah. So yeah. very soon after this, of course, the, the minions of the horn king show up which are you know various dragon-like things which are are yeah, are scary me. but they, they're not too they, bad no but uh, this and again this is what bothers me the huge flaw in this movie yes, yes they yes. refer to those flying things as griffins oh dear those no no are, no 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 those are not griffins they are wyverns we know this because our yes. school's mascot is a griffin yes yes it is <laughs> And um, we also and, know this because we both memorized the monster manual a long time ago. <laughs> you know, I'm really partial to Obliviax, the memory moss. Um, I like the neo Odiu, but... Odiug. Odiug. <laughs> um, right after that, though, what, you know, the, the, the pig gets taken because otherwise the plot doesn't... Yeah, you have to wonder, this kid, yeah, here, take the pig, protect it. It takes him five minutes to lose the pig. It really does. Um, mm. But then, then we get crying oh, scene number one. If God. the if the molten iron, if the description of molten iron, which you know little kids probably yeah. know what that means, if the molten iron does not get the kids to start crying, as soon as we see the Horn King, because he is a hooded figure, and as he walks into the light, there's his skull head. And I don't mean in a oh it's not scary Skeletor kind of way. I mean shadowed and menacing and then his red eyes light up and it's yeah. like i didn't see this in the theater but i could hear the kids screeching yeah you could yeah, a lot of seats were piddled on at that point man it is like wow okay whose idea was this you it's know like, uh, you know it clearly want oh i want someone like as menacing as darth vader it's okay darth vader is menacing he's not horrifying no <laughs> I guarantee, besides the, the, the pre-screening where the kids literally did run at the end of this, and to be fair, the footage that they ran from, we don't see. They oh. actually cut it out. Yeah, there's scenes of the skeleton oh, wow. guys mauling the thugs. Oh, jeez. Because if there's one thing you want in a Disney film, it's mauling. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You so, definitely want to watch the undead consume the living. Now, and I actually want to pause here because there's actually a point, and this is a point that Disney has brought on itself, and... In this case, I think they were actually trying to fix it, but they just did such a bad job of it. And that is, Disney has forever branded animation as a medium in the West as being for kids. Mm. As far as feature films go. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And the sad thing is there, you know, obviously, certainly a lot of stuff from the East, there's tons of animation that is not at all for kids. It's for anybody, right? So there's tons Mm -hmm. of anime. Um, There's some actually some fairly complex plots in things like the animated not the live action animated ghost in the shell right. um cowboy bebop uh the Akira Ak- film animation for adults yes uh triplets of belleville which is a mm-hmm. wonderful film yeah um, stuff like that that is just like yeah this is a medium this is not a genre this is not kids stuff disney yeah. can't it, can't get out of it yeah they can't shake it this was a sort of a, i heard this was sort of an attempt of theirs to make it a little more mature and, I and think, they should not do that. No, and I think that one of the things they did, which actually made sense for one of the next features that came out, was they put under another banner. They made it a touchstone film. So mm. Roger Rabbit was not for kids. I'm sure kids went. I'm sure kids were fine with it. I'm sure there's plenty of parts that kids just didn't get. Sure. But they, Roger... They didn't, want, they didn't notice when their fathers got really quiet when <laughs> Jessica Rabbit came on screen, and probably some of their mothers. She's just a drawing. Shut up. Um... <laughs> Daddy, so, what, Daddy, why are you sweating? <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Oh, you <laughs> certainly are. I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, and, and uh, I think that there is room for feature animation that is not for kids. Look, at there's a sure. lot of TV shows. Samurai Jack, sure, it could be for kids, but it's not. 
Mm. Um, there's a lot of the Star Wars stuff, even the ones that are done by Disney, that have some pretty complex storytelling in them. That's not... Yeah, it's on the Disney Kids channel, but I don't think that's mostly who's watching it. I think it's 30-somethings and up who are Star Wars fans who want good story in their Star Wars and weren't getting it from things like the prequels. Um, and yeah, so as Max said, this was Disney trying, sort of, and I think the producers of this film, not not Katzenberg and Eisner, but I think the producers, and this is why they resisted the editing, were trying to keep it to that PG rating. It's just that it was marketed as a Disney film. Yeah, and the, so much of the rest of it uh, is clearly, you know, standard Disney stuff. Speaking the hero, of the hero, Taron, yeah, and uh, the princess, El, Elohenu, whatever her oh, name Elanui. is. I could never pronounce her name. I, yeah. Don't look Damn at you it. Just... Wales. <laughs> well, and, and sure enough, you know, we start off with a very Disney. Well, I'm sorry. The very opening is not Disney, but then no, we get to Taryn no. and, and, uh, and Dal, what's his name? Dal Wimple. Delvin. Yeah. Delvin. <laughs> and then, you know, okay, this is kind of Disney. Then we get the dragons like, oh, maybe it's not so Disney, but then right on time, I could smell him coming. We get fizz gig. Oh no, I'm sorry. Right. We get, um, Jar Jar. Jar. <laughs> We get Gurgi, who Gergi, for, the, for most of the John Biner. for the most of the film, because he's the only one who says his name. I thought his name was Googie, because yeah. that's what it sounds like. But it turns yeah. out his name is Gurgi. Yeah, I had to look that up too. I thought it was Gur- I thought it was Gurgi or something. But yeah. yeah, but it's like Taryn is like looking for Henwen, and the, the woods is scary, and it's like Henwen is is, is is that you? And I'm like, oh god, here comes the goofy sidekick, and sure enough, there he is. It's also. I don't understand what Gurgi is doing there because Taryn is just mean to him every, the whole time and Gurgi is a thieving little coward. Right. And yet suddenly starts referring to Taryn as master and following him and yeah. deciding he's his friend. Well, And there's we, no basis for that. It's completely unearned and as such, it's not very convincing. Max, you and I both know why he's there. What? what? merchandising oh, sacrifice yeah well that too um he you can smell that i mean okay yeah we're getting towards the end but yeah, yeah you can smell his part in this film as much as you can smell him showing up it is like at, at its worst this film is a way to utterly frighten and scar your children's yeah. um at its best honestly it's disney by rote you can yeah. feel the things like where's the 11 songs that's the only thing they don't do um, the 11 songs? Yeah, that's when they... Okay, so when Toy Story was being marketed to Disney, yeah. one of the things that the, when he when John Lasseter, whose name I really don't like saying these days, look it up on the internet, folks, uh, brought the story I did, did the pitch for Toy Story, their response was, oh, that's great. Yeah, we should do this. Yeah, uh, where's the 11 songs? And he was uh, like, what? Yeah, where's yeah. the 11 songs? Not like... Where are the musical numbers, but where are the 11 songs? Because that's what Disney movies have. They have 11 songs. Because that's after the Renaissance, and that's what sells, so we're going to do the same thing over and over again. So I never knew there was a set number. Apparently there was. Uh, That's the joke, or at least that's the the story uh, that that has been told about Lasseter presenting Toy Story, or the pitch for Toy Story. But this one, you can feel when the character... Like, you can feel the beats. We're not even supposed to know the beats exist. We can feel them. Yeah. the reasonable animation, it's not Disney's best, but the reasonable animation, you can see it like coming un- unraveled. It gets worse and worse throughout the film. There's actually a couple of scenes that are out of focus. Yeah. Later on. I was on. curious, a couple, the humans, particularly uh, Taryn and Eloise. Uh, <laughs> Elanwi. Yeah, they looked rotoscoped. I don't think so. Okay. I think I think they're actually animated uh they were having trouble with this film partially because the animators they had weren't really good at humans uh, uh so they had to actually drag some of the the remaining old nine old men back and say could you show them what they're supposed to do <laughs> and that to be fair that's one of the things they were doing is they were starting with a bunch of new hires they really wanted to have a brand new unit that they could start from the ground up and do things right and the problem was is that there was a lot of stuff going on in this film there's actually some elements in the film that are um real world backgrounds there's one point where taryn is against this purple sky and it's obvious that it's actually real clouds and it just does not work um there's real mist coming from the cauldron and it's obvious that looks weird it's just looks wrong but you know Starting from the very beginning, besides the the animation, which is just not Disney at its best, uh, one of the main problems, and I think Max, you'll agree with me on this, 
we don't like Taryn very much. No, Taryn is annoying, and I, I've under I understand this. You some you have a lot of these in these fantasy movies. You have the I mean, let's face it, Luke Skywalker when he starts off is really <laughs> irritating. You know, with the blast shield down, I can't even see. <laughs> I, I was gonna go to Tashi Station and get yeah. some power. And get but, but he grows on us. He becomes more likable, and he becomes our eyes in this. And until it, Empire. Yeah, and yeah, then we he get gets worse. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. But Taron is irritating it from the beginning. He's this, you know, uh, he's let's face it, he's a standard adolescent. Yeah. But he, he you know, delusions of grandeur, which he, is and okay. he's also a screw up. Hmm? It's, he, it's okay. It's okay. For, I'm going to be a warrior, and it could yeah. be somebody who's, but he's, but he needs to have a lot of heart, and he has to be a nice guy. It's okay. He has if to he's be not more likable. Yes. And he has he has moments. Here and there, his fondness for Henwin is cute, but that yeah. disappears randomly. Oh, well, we start off, like, oh, I don't want to go feed the pig. Wee, wee, wee. Oh, all right, I'll scrub the pig. She likes that. Okay, now he's nice. As soon as he meets Gurgi, though, he's a jerk. Oh, he's a huge jerk to Gurgi. And then later, and, when he meets Alanwi, he's you know like he's, he's glad that she gets him out. But then he's like, well, you did stupid things. It's like, well, I got you out. Yeah, but you're stupid. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, the 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 forced bickering and the forced uh, romance between ugh. those two is really. It's like okay, and romantic connection in five, four, three. Ugh. Even worse, besides the fact that as soon as we get the princess, whose part in this film is literally to get him out of jail, mm. um, there is... Okay, I, I'm going to take a little field trip here. I am a big opponent of the forced love interest. Not every yeah. story needs to have a love interest. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't, doesn't, oh. doesn't, doesn't. Or it can be an alternative love interest. And I don't mean some sort of gay agenda. I mean, it can literally be like a bromance. These two guys, these two women, whatever, can just be friends. They don't have to marry each other. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be some sort of star-crossed nonsense. You don't need that in every film or every story. And this is, there, is one it, of those stories where you don't. Yeah. And even worse, the fact that, as Max pointed out, it is a forced thing. It's literally forced at yeah. the end of the film where Gurgi pushes their faces together and makes them kiss. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was like okay, okay, movie. We get what you're doing. Ugh. Yeah, not, not not very subtle there. Well, he, quite honestly, he might as well marry Alonwe, and she might as well marry him. There's no other people in this film. Yes, yeah, yeah, there's no one else in their age group. <laughs> she anywhere. Has two, she has two choices besides Taryn. She has a fluter flam, or she's got <laughs> Dillweed, or whatever his name is. Um, it's yeah, like that's it. Old men. Yeah, that's it. No, it's no one else. No, no. One else are, all the even all the thugs are dead. Yeah. So uh, we, we get the, the Horn King. That's the first issue of Crying. The mm. second issue of Crying is when Taryn gets to the castle and suddenly we get face first thrust into the audience are the guard wolves snarling and slather, slavering and, and, and barking. And like, it is not, they really shove it in your face. These so, are not cartoony <laughs> kind of, you know, like Spike in Tom and Jerry these no. are frightening war dogs, you know? Yeah. These are like, we are, these are not trying to, oh, we're not going to catch you and hit you with a frying pan. We'll kill you. Yeah. And they're, they, they don't they're, talk either. And, and the just, face they, literally launches into the screen, like yeah. out of nowhere. It's like, Taryn's like, oh, I hope I got in safely. <laughs> Crying daddy. You know, it's one of the other odd things about uh, Princess Eleanor is we don't really know if she's a princess. She says she, she is. She says she is, but the Horn King says she's a scullery maid. Yeah, so... And we know nothing about her background. We don't know no. why she's in that castle. We don't know how no. she got there. We don't know why, if she's a princess, why isn't someone looking for her? If she's a princess, what she's a princess of? I think she's supposed nothing. to be there because he thought her magic would help him find the Black Cauldron. Okay. And then when it turned out that it didn't... Um, he... She doesn't have any magic. She has that little floaty ball that's never explained, which I think well, he calls a bauble, and that's it. Right. And it's think... not her. It just happens to hang out with her. Oh, she also has the power that uh, all the other creatures think she's beautiful and want to want to be around her. Now, doesn't she have the flower to disappear? And Probably, uh, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Just like Santa does. Yep. Um, yeah. And... Then, Whatever. And then, you know, they get out of the castle. Oh, no, wait, wait. Before Hedwin. before we get out of the castle, um, uh, um, there is this wonderful scene where things get really, really weird. So there are all these thugs that um, they have for reasons unknown. And they are big, burly. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say smelly guys. 
um, <laughs> that had that had bad parenting. Probably the kind of parents that would bring them to this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they have all these guys, these big, yeah. barrel-chested, bare-armed, sweaty, stinky guys. Where are you going with this? <laughs> drinking lots of wine, which oh, they yeah. actually call it wine, and it is purple, which Disney mm-hmm. generally does not do. Yeah, there's actual booze in this movie. And there is a woman... One in woman. Very, very scantily clad. And what are the thugs chanting? More wine, more women. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, who who made this? Oh, come on. This is this is Disney. These are the people who on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride have the women's slave auction where they're chanting, We wants the redhead. We wants the redhead. Yeah, sadly it's still there. But that never appeared in a Disney film. Like you never saw these guys with their eyes open. Yeah. They're basically they're just short of holding up a gold piece or a $20 bill take yes, your pick it, put it in her garter yeah and yeah, then that's, that's a little disturbing yeah well well this is related it comes later but then later in case you missed the um the pultritude pultritude mm-hmm. uh later on we get to these witches that oh, let's, this... hang on let's wait for the witches all right oh, we'll wait for the witches one... but it gets weirder but yeah it does it gets yeah, there's so, a lot more sexualization in the in this movie than you would expect from any Disney movie ever. Lots more, but yes. Yeah, so so, so yeah, we get yeah. more the, wine, more women, yeah, and then, then we then we know, get Taryn, the other sidekick. Yeah, Taryn gets captured, right? Uh, and the the Horn King wants to make him to, tries to force him to make Henwin show the future to show the location or at least the location of the Black Cauldron, and when he refuses. The Horn King is a, gets one of his men to pick up a red hot brand <laughs> and is going to brand the pig on the face. Yeah. Like, oh good lord. <laughs> there there is not a dry pair of underpants in the theater now. Nope, nope. Oh, it gets worse cuz then he gets thrown in the dungeon and I, I think they're going to eat the pig. Um mm. and those, so then we get the rats. And the rats, oh. besides being rats, you know, we're not talking ratatouille here. These no. are fanged rats with glowing red eyes. So if you weren't crying at the red hot branding iron, you're mm. now crying at the fanged rats, which are also right in your face and running around trying to eat things. But they, they do escape. They get out. They toss oh. Henwin off, oh. off, the, off the castle wait, wait. walls. Before we even get to that, we get Princess Alanwi, who yeah, shows yeah. up because reasons. Literally. Yeah, we already covered that. Stuff. Yeah. Well, but while they're out wandering around... Um, they um they come across a burial chamber because that's ah. just helping to really reinforce the yeah, whole nice haunting. crypt. Yeah. Now and this they find, again oh, look, very D and D because what's Ter- what does Terran do? He loots the body. He does. And what does he find? A sword and oh, it's magical. What a surprise. Yeah, that that kind of surprised me. It's like wow. So the Horn King lives in this castle. He had no idea that this was down here and that there was a friggin' magic sword that makes anyone who uses it invincible. Turn in, yeah, turn into Conan, basically. Yeah. Yeah, um, he finds a basically he finds a plus five Vorpal sword lying around. Yeah. And it, it, he and he uses that to help. Now to be fair, quite honestly, without that, they didn't stand a chance. Oh yeah, because the sword does all the work. Right. Which which to be fair is that it, it's a th- I wish they had done a little bit more with it. They do touch on that at yeah, the end. Yeah, they touch on the fact he realizes that without the sword, he's just a pig boy. Right. But anyway, so I'll let you so, go on from here. Because yeah. they throw so the pig they, into the moat because thankfully throw... somehow there's no alligators in the moat. Yes. And somehow, <laughs> fortunately, pigs are known for their great swimming ability and diving skills. Yeah, I love it. He goes, swim, pig. And my thought was, I wonder if she can. <laughs> Th- oh well, I, I think that well, like, I, they can shallow, but anyway, yeah. I, you yeah, know, so, I was waiting for the multi tentacled beast from uh, um, um, the Throne Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, did you hear a floop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nothing. So, Strangely, the moat nope. is the safest place in this movie. Yeah. So then they go off trying to find Henwin. This leads them into the realm of the Fair Folk. Oh, what fresh hell is this? Yes. <laughs> Yes, hello. We're the plot convenience fairies who are going to carry you to the evil place where we we just happen to be the ones who know where the Black Cauldron is, making the pig completely superfluous. Come on, they, they don't... What do they need the pig for? Why, didn't the, why isn't the Horn King going around going, hey, find me some of the fair folk. They know where it is. I shall seek out the fair... No, they're too annoying. I shan't yeah. seek out the fair folk. The, yeah, actually, then we meet... After Gurgi, we meet the second most annoying character in this movie, Dolly, or Dolly, yeah. who's a, another one of the fairies, also voiced by John, John. Biner, which is right. appropriate. And to be fair, a lot of his humor was 
being annoying, but yeah, he was funny. Was I like John yeah. Byner. This is not a yeah. shot against John Byner. No, John Byner can be funny. He's just not given anything to do. He's not given much that's funny in this movie. Yes, and Gertie so the, is just irritating, and Dolly so is just aggravating. And quite so honestly, he, he is he is very much the the um, Ewok of this film. Yes. Uh, yeah. Except so, he talks, which is even worse. Even worse. So then we're they're taken to. A, a, an interesting trope on the three, or the whole three okay. witches, three Wait. crones thing. In my notes, because I'm watching the film, they're sent yeah. off to the magic swamp where they're going to find their, their, the, that's where the cauldron is. Yeah. And I'm watching this, I'm writing this down. Oh, the swamp, I sense another character. Could it be a kooky witch? I literally yeah. wrote that, and then yep. ten seconds later, no, it's, it's three kooky three witches. Three kooky witches, two of which have no real personality, and one of which has... Well, um, let's say two um, large personality traits. Oh, wait. I, I can put it into words because she says this. Yes. She is the witch who wants to pluck your harp. <laughs> she yeah. literally says that. She's all yeah. about um, flute or flam for reasons yeah, she, that... Yeah, she f- falls in love with, or love, it with uh, flute or flam. She's also the more human-looking and, shall we say, possession, possessed of rather large tracts of land. Uh, Poultry. Yes. Yeah, serious pulchritude, which, you know, they make no, they don't hide this at all. Oh, not only do they not hide it, at one point, somebody, tur- one of the witches turns Fluterflame into a frog, who then is put between her breasts. Yeah. And yeah. it's a close-up. <laughs> it is, it is the old frog in the breast joke, because, yep. you know, that never gets old. It turns out that these three are the keepers of the Black Cauldron, because, yeah, if you want to keep something safe... Give it to give it to Witchy Poo, her oversexed sister, and uh, the one the other the one. person, the other the one who's the bargain hunter. Yeah, who's very big into making deals. And uh, but there is this long drawn out joke uh, about the frog nestled and being strangled. I should say suffocated between yeah. these ginormous yep, animated breasts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just like at this point, it's like there is no D in Disney. I don't know, uh, except for the market rating of this film. Um, it's only no, no, not. I'd no, say here we were talking double Ds. But uh, uh, well, okay. That. Was, oh, thank yeah, you. I'll be yeah. here all week. Um, I actually did come up with a new word for this film. Yeah. Drimsy. It's dreary whimsy because that's what this is. That's all pretty the, good. I like that whimsy. All, all of this film is filled with whimsy that's just depressing, yeah, and, and dark and unpleasant. It all um, the whole movie makes you feel like you should have a shower. Oh, it's just it's Any, literally anyway, like on, it's we're, literally we're, like we're they couldn't go in, in they they couldn't go in either direction yeah. enough. They couldn't make this a kids' film, and they couldn't make it a film for teenagers or adults. They couldn't. No. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, so they they deal with the witches and there's, they, there's... and Taryn trades and this is a, it's a big this should have been a big deal except yeah. it isn't because it's hardly dealt with. But he trades the magic sword that makes him a warrior right for the black cauldron right because apparently that's all you have to do is trade something for it. This unbelievably powerful artifact, all you have to do is make a deal with with um, Manny Mo and Jack here. <laughs> The pep boys. Yeah, the pep ladies, basically. <laughs> I thought it was Uni, Roy, and Al, but that's... Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I, you know that's fine. I don't mind there being... Because, uh, of course, the witches are sitting there going, ha-ha, when they find out that there's nothing they can do with the Black Cauldron, we'll get to have both. Yeah. Of course, the assuming... whole thing with the Black Cauldron, they tell them later, oh, yeah, the Cauldron's indestructible. They want the Cauldron. Taron Destro- and his people wanted to destroy it. Okay, right. that's nice, but it turns out it can't be destroyed. You can only destroy the evil within it in other words the uh, spirit of the evil king and Which, how do you do that a living person has to willingly climb inside the cauldron and by implication die at that so point i don't know if you an, i don't i don't know if you heard this over the soundtrack but what i started hearing was as the ending was telegraphed blatantly yeah, towards yeah. us because they almost like zoom right in on Gurgi and it's like gee i wonder who will yeah, throw who, who, itself into the black cauldron yeah <sighs> then you know they get captured again yeah well you know that's his magic power it's Terran's magic powers to yeah. be captured it's amazing he gets captured all over the place yeah he gets captured the the skeleton king gets a hold of the <laughs> The, the, the cauldron and calls forth a terrifying undead army that now ensures there isn't a child left in the theater except for those who are curled up catatonic under the seats. Yep. And again, they cut stuff out. <laughs> and, and you know, then Taryn is saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to chuck myself into the uh, cauldron. 
And big surprise, Gurgi says no, Gurgi will do this. For some reason, Gurgi always refers to himself in the third person. Uh, and talk about a trope. He tosses himself into the cauldron. And this this immediately is the, you know, spellus reversus, you know, finite incantatum, because all of the undead immediately are sucked back in, and for some reason, so is the Horned King. Well, sort of. This is mm-hmm. where things get really, really dumb. Yeah. So there's this there's this giant vacuum coming from the Black Cauldron, and initially, Terran's like, I'm going to go get Gurgi out, and as he gets closer to the Black Cauldron, he's like, maybe I'm not, and he starts <laughs> pulling away. Then the Horned King says, oh, I'm going to throw you in, and somehow doesn't, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then the, the Horned King is like, Okay, fine. And then he's like, oh no, now I'm being pulled in too for no particular reason. Like suddenly, oh, now I'm in danger. Yeah. And it just happens horn- out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't no. have any reason. And apparently the Horn King, his only power is when you have the Black Cauldron, you can use its power. Because yeah. otherwise he doesn't do anything. No, he show we have no idea why everyone's so afraid of him apart from well, the way he looks. Yeah. Like but, but he, he has all these do anything. He, no. he strangles one little goblin. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we get the idea that he's going to try and toss him in. He actually reminds me of, there's a character in Rescuers Down Under, there's a lizard um, character who I really liked, and uh, she was the the hench being to George C. Scott's villain in that film. Uh. And she also basically gets to wave goodbye as the bad guy gets sucked into oblivion. Uh, although he, like a normal, sensible Disney villain, gets to fall off something, in this case a very tall wall- waterfall. As so um, many of them do. So so for no reason, suddenly the, the Horned King can no longer resist the suckage of the... F- I mean, the, the power <laughs> of the Black Cauldron and gets yeah, sucked in. Yeah. And some for some reason, that um, puts it that turns the off switch and everything's fine. Um, but like Max said, this was the thermal exhaust port, which caused all the evil and dead to, to suddenly fall down and go yeah, boom. This was the to defeat evil plan, break glass thing. But again, so his that, whole plan was go out and destroy everything. That's literally what he says. And then, uh, not yeah, bring then, me back treasure, not nope. get me some gold, get me a better house. Not, you know, nothing. Just, just go out there and kill everybody and be bad. Cause yeah. that's what I like, man. Cause that's yeah. my, how I roll. So now the, the, the giant, nasty, evil fortress goes kablooey because, you know, it, that's what... Apparently, the Black Cauldron feeds upon architecture. I guess. Mm. Uh, and then they're left with nothing but a, a, a black pot that they could, well, quite honestly, piss in as far as... Well, they could make soup, I suppose. Yeah. Then the three witches show up again. They say, well, we'll just take that off your hands. And here, Flim Flam, or whatever his name was... <laughs> A bard who doesn't play a single song. No, nope, ah! doesn't make any music, the whole thing. And he says, well, hang on a sec. We don't give anything. He throws their words back. You know, he, we don't give anything away. We make bargains. Right. And, you know, which, and it's it's good that he did it because the others are all so broken up about Gurgi, you know, just like the audience. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I want to go out and buy a Gurgi. Yeah. We don't care. We, we no. aren't given any reason to care about Gurgi, and we're supposed to. That's supposed to be the big tragedy of the movie, yeah. is that he's dead. And they offer Terran the sword back. They say, right. hey, you know, we'll give you your magic sword, and you give us the cauldron. And he says, no, you, if, I, I need you to use your powers to raise the dead that apparently you can do, yeah. and give me back Gurgi. And they do. Hooray! And how does he trick them into it? He basically says, I bet you can't. And the <laughs> witches right. in, a, we... in a bit of school schoolyard logic go, oh yeah? And, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we get Gurgi back because somehow this... I, see, I wanted to see it happen. It's like, okay, here's Gurgi. And then the army of the dead comes back. It's like, well... I wanted to see Gurgi come back as like one of those skeletal things. Like, <laughs> ah, I am the Gurgi king. Yeah, and then that's when he thrusts their heads together and makes them kiss yeah. so we can and have they're going ending. off, And then we get a really confusing final shot. We suddenly, we see that Dalban is watching them through his magic pig pot with uh, Dolly, the, the fairy. Who, so they apparently know each other. Ah. I don't know why. I don't know what this means. <laughs> and that's no. it. That's no. how it ends. Yeah. So, um, do you <laughs> do you have any more points before we let the audience in on whether or not we liked the movie? Well, the the paintings in the end credits are nice. <sighs> That's about it. The roundup. All right. So, Max. Yeah. Now you'd seen this before. I have. When did you see it? Do you remember? 
Oh boy, mm, maybe fifteen years ago. Uh, and what what caused you to, to watch it? Because oh, you know, because I'd never seen it. Because yeah. it was like, oh yeah, I missed this when it came out in the theaters, and for some reason, now I understand why it's really hard to find, and they don't re-release it. So oh, it's on see... it's on iTunes. You can find it. It's oh not yeah, that yeah. Hard. Now no, you can get it now. You can get it on in Netflix, but uh, excuse me, you can get it on Netflix DVD. It's not on streaming, right? Yeah, so I, I, I just wanted to see it. What I'm curious is, why didn't you? Why is, has it taken you so long to see this? You know, and here's the thing. Um, I don't... I, I don't often, especially back then, this is 85, I didn't often allow my viewing to be decided by critics. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, one of the issues was that when this came out, you and I, let's see, July, I want to say at that point we were in Scotland. Yeah, I think so. Um, so we literally, well, I couldn't say we didn't see films. We saw two movies, no, no, four movies while we were in Britain. In Scotland, we saw Baby, Secret of the Lost oh, Legend. God. For reasons I have yet to figure out. And we saw Witness with Harrison Ford. Yep, yep. Which, which was we decent. see A View to a Kill? That we saw later, the yeah. arguably worst Bond film ever. Yeah, and we uh, saw Restless Natives. Oh, and we also saw Return to Oz. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so we actually did see movies. Why didn't we? Well, we did not see Back to the Future, which I think hadn't been released in Europe when we were there. Okay. Because when we got back, we'd heard about it. It's like, I want to go see this film. But at that point, I didn't usually let reviews steer me much at all. And you would think with the giant amount of horrible films that I've seen that I never (laughs) let reviews keep me from seeing a film. But this was one of those films that it was just, there was just no good press about it. Um, and it was at a time when, to be fair, Disney films weren't what they used to be. Yeah. I don't think I saw Great Mouse Detective in the theater either. I later saw it on home video. And it's fine. There's actually some fun parts to that film. The The sequence at the end in the clockworks, which, which admittedly are very CG, are, it's actually pretty exciting. Hmm. Um, I like Basil. I think Vincent Price is, makes a great rat. I mean, mouse. Um <laughs> Uh, it's not a great Disney film, but it's a fine Disney film. It's, you know, um, it's 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 no Pinocchio, it's no Snow White, it's yeah. no Little Mermaid, but it's it's a decent Disney film. But that's when you could tell, you know, Disney was out of favor. Yeah. It, any of their stuff, no matter how good it was, was seen as that thing people did back 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their films, like, you know, uh, Fox and the Hound was not well received. Um, it was okay. And that's what the people were feeling was that Disney films were okay. And they really had that point more than ever were relegated to kiddie fair. And so when I heard that this was like not a good Disney film, I was like, eh, heck with it. I'm not going to bother. And then all through the years, that's all I heard. This film is not good. This is, you know, like you said, the film that nearly broke Disney. Mm-hmm. And Disney, interestingly enough, and Eisner was one of the biggest proponents of this, supposedly. Disney was seriously thinking after this, you know, let's just stop doing animation. We'll just wow. stick with live action. Because, you know, the computer wore tennis shoes oh. and oh. Shaggy DA. That's what oh, people Lord. want. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Escape um, from which mountain? Yeah. Uh, two, one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, or that darn cat. Uh, look, look them all up, folks. They're, they're very memorable. I know the plots to... Nope, don't know any of them. Um... <laughs> I just plots. Was, I think you're you're over exaggerating a little. Yeah, it's just one of those movies that I was like, I'm not. I, I, I could think of other things I'd rather do, and it never got to the top of the list. And I knew it was going to be a lesser Disney film. I did not know its reputation of literally causing future psychiatrist appointments in small children because <laughs> it really is like uh, kids have gotten more sophisticated over time but if you bring like a four or five or a six year old to this there's going to be crying mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's just and, and storytelling wise it's a mess yeah you know there's there's all these yeah, characters they, they keep introducing the characters we don't give a crap about um, we never learn much about it. We don't know where Taron comes from. We don't know if he had parents, if they suffered a horrible Disney fate, which, you know, they usually do. Yeah. Maybe they fell off something. I don't know. We don't even know where the pig comes from. She's the only pig. So yeah. it's, it's uh, is she the whole family of pigs? Or? Is she the proto-pig? Uh, is, she cr- is she crunchy? Uh, <laughs> Are they planning to turn her into ham and bacon later? You know, who is, is Dillweed? You know, uh, who is Flute or Flam? Who's the Horned sing? King? Did he start out I, as a Horned King? Was he some guy who turned into a Horned King? I don't know. And it's literally almost like instead of doing any kind of character explanation or development, we're just going to introduce somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was... <laughs> so, yeah, just 
all around, it really makes me scratch my head and go, "What happened to those storytellers?" What yeah, happened? It's a puzzling to... one, is because storytelling. The storytelling is terrible. Some of the visuals are good. Some of it is pretty eh. to look at. Some yeah, of the animation it... is okay. Yeah, but it's like when it gets bad, it's like, mm. "Wow, it's bad." Um, and I, I read in a couple of articles having to do with this film, and there were people basically trying to make a case for it, like, "Hey, it's not as bad as you remember," and it's like, "No, it is." It's yeah. it is. I mean, talk about a lesser effort. It's just like it feels like somebody's death rattle is what it feels like. And quite honestly, that's what it looks like because you get the army of undead. You know that that trope of Disney films that you want to see again. And, oh yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I take it you don't care for it. I I don't hate it, but no, I I would not recommend it. No, I hate's too strong a word, yeah. but it's 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 very disappointing. It is. Um, it's so, not worthy of Disney. So this this is a film that I meant to see, and now I've seen it. So, Max, what next film had you meant to see but hadn't gotten around to? Well, I have never seen the Cameron Crowe movie Almost Famous. And uh, I don't know much about it, except it's basically about uh, a 15-year-old boy who ends up going out on the road with uh, a rock band as a journalist for Rolling Stone. Apparently based on a true story. In fact, oh. supposedly a true story that about the director's life, Cameron Crowe. Oh, so, so now wait. I don't, know, I don't know really what to expect from it. This not this isn't meant to be like a mockumentary or anything. No, no, no. It's just this fictionalized. Oh, oh, yeah. See, I haven't seen this either. I basically I maybe have heard of it. So mm -hmm. uh, this will be a, a actually. Will this be a first? Will this be a film that neither of us has seen? The know. first time, might be. Could be oh, cool. So, yeah. uh, I would say. Rise from the depths, my audience. Go out, destroy everything, and tune in next week when we watch Almost Famous. Yes, with which we believe will lack 100% of all Gurgis. Kill all the Gurgis you find. <laughs> See, I would have been totally on Team, Team Horned King if he had gone for that. Team Jacob. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.